to episode 253 of the Customer Support Leaders podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. Today, welcome back Ryan Klausner talking about the difference between what customers say and what customers do. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast today, Ryan Klausner. Ryan, lovely to have you back so soon after joining me for a panel um, not so long ago. I know. It's great to see you virtually, Charlotte. Um, it was I had a lot of fun on that panel. It was great to finally meet you. Um, that was a lot of fun yeah, at the support-driven leadership It summit. was. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was quite memorable for a number of reasons. Um, so the panel, the topic of the panel was... Um, uh, demonstrating the ROI of key initiatives, particularly inside support, obviously. But um, didn't we have a lot of fun? Um, that was quite a group of people. I, I distinctly remember who I was sat between. I was sat between you and a head of support from from what I think was kind of a partnership made in heaven at some point. I hope. I hope. Uh... <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. With yeah, with yeah. Hinge, we were talking about, and then yeah. we were talking about uh, how who gives a crap and Hinge yeah. have a natural. Uh, alignment yeah. there, of course, us selling eco-friendly tissues and Hinge mm-hmm. doing what they do. Perfect uh, mm. potential partnership. I recall a lot was, of laughter, though, as well. That was a lot of fun. That panel. that was a They're lot not of fun. But so fun. Yeah, and and ROI is not a topic that you think you'd have so much fun with, but that that was great and but really insightful. Everybody had such good opinions on that on that panel. I recall, and uh, yeah, what what a great experience. Um, so. I love it when people can bring a bit of their own personality to what is otherwise a very dry topic, especially in a two-day conference when there's so many intensive ideas and thoughts going on. So to be able to go deep in something while also being able to laugh at ourselves, I think, is always a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's crucial, actually, isn't it? It's crucial. Um, Yeah, so we are are sort of uh, uh, exploring something different today, though, aren't we? I guess we, we had a little chat a couple of minutes ago about what we were going to talk about. And I think we've summed it up to, well, I summed it up um, <laughs> as something in the ballpark of the the difference between what customers say and what customers do, um, particularly in the context of feedback. So this, this, this was a really interesting topic, I thought. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about CSAT and surveys and feedback generally recently. And uh I gather you have too. So, 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 what, what are your first thoughts? What, what, what brought you to to bring this topic up? Yeah, it's a very interesting topic. It's one that I've been thinking about a lot myself, especially in the last uh, several months. Um, really, since last August, when I was um, initially implementing the Voice of the Customer program at Who Gives a Crap, and we started really mm-hmm. looking at really um, deep. Um, analysis of customer feedback. Mm. And customer feedback, of course, is critical for any organization. We do a a really incredible job, especially compared to some of the organizations that I've I've been with previously, Mm. in terms of sharing that feedback across the organization, making it relevant to different functions, and most importantly, making it actionable. Um, But when Mm. you only look at feedback, especially in the context of when we were designing this program, it's literally looking at only one side of the equation. And Mm. feedback is important. It's critical to what we do and how we operate. But what customers say, in my experience, is very different than the actions or behavior they take. Mm. And we don't want to look at either of those in a silo, certainly only analyzing customer feedback or only analyzing the customer 
um, actions or behavior that they take. But combined, I find that there's a much more complex narrative that is providing a much uh, broader depth of insight that we can apply as CX leaders to our vision, our strategy, and also contextualizing a lot of our work for other functions. Mm. So bring mm. both to the table because it's shocking how often they actually are in conflict with each other. Uh, yeah. and, and that was one of the big sort of aha moments for me is I'm going, oh, interesting. What they do and what they say isn't always aligned. How true to the human experience, right? Very true. Very true. Unfortunately, we all are human, I think. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. So I, w I want to, first of all, clarify something. When you say feedback, are we specifically and exclusively talking about that survey question or are you gathering feedback from across social channels, et cetera, other, other, other um, opportunities to hear the voice of the customer? Or are you specifically dialing into the survey feedback? Yeah, great, great question. And I think an important piece of, of clarity. So certainly we look at customer surveys, CSAT, uh, NPS, all of these mm. more traditional legacy mm. CX metrics. I'm not a huge proponent of any of them independent of each other. I think they're all yeah, just one either. piece of the puzzle. A lot of people mm -hmm. like really like to go deeper on three or four of them. But just like when we look at behavior and feedback, that's just a small equation. So certainly surveys is a part of that. But we also use a lot of uh, customer sentiment measuring tools mm -hmm. like Chattermill. And Chattermill has been really helpful for us to extract all the conversations we have across uh, our ticketing system. Um, to better understand what customers are saying, understand trends, drivers of uh, customer um, feedback and drivers of tickets themselves, looking mm -hmm. at what are the points of friction so we can make recommendations across the organization to reduce those, those pieces um, so we don't have to even have those tickets because those are often what I refer to as, as low value interactions. They don't really serve the customer, but they have no better way of solving for it. Mm -hmm. But it's really about the entire piece. So when we talk about what customers say, I think it's at every point of the customer journey, whether mm -hmm. that's surveys or more conversational-based uh, uh, pieces of feedback that we mm -hmm. can contextualize mm -hmm. as part of larger trends uh, mm -hmm. within the customer role. So, so let's let's dive right in then with an example. What have customers told you that has been diametrically opposite? to a behavior that you've seen. Yeah, that's that's great. So often we find customers have this assumption. So I work, of course, uh, who gives a crap makes eco-friendly um, paper products. That's our core offering. So we make mm -hmm. um, eco-friendly toilet paper, tissues, kitchen towels, and we donate 50% of our profits to help build toilets and provide clean water to the billions of people worldwide mm. without access. Awesome. But mm. we often hear from customers that they want, especially, and it differs in, each, differs in each market, because of course, we have a large, our largest customer base is in Australia, we have a very mm. emerging market in the UK, and we're here in the US, of course, as well. But looking at that across all of those markets and the EU, different customer expectations vary across all of these markets. Sometimes we produce domestically to meet those unique demands or expectations of our customers in each market. So it's not all produced centrally. Sometimes we do it for supply chain reasons. Sometimes it's to meet that localized customer expectation. Mm -hmm. But what we often hear, for example, in the US is people expect this very three, four, five ply toilet paper 
um, that isn't as common in other countries, um, mm-hmm. such as Australia, where, where two-ply might be more common, or in the UK, for example. And I would never buy uh, a product that has less than X plies. Um, <laughs> yet they're purchasing it from us. Often the people that are providing that, we're changing their behaviors because turns out the ply doesn't actually have anything to do with the experience. Sure, I think a single ply that you get at a at a uh, gas station or somewhere, you know, just uh, school, as, a, as a public that stall, school, that's a different mm. experience. But in terms of the home, the assumption of what a product is versus what it really is isn't necessarily aligned with the behavior. Um, when we also look at the types of feedback that customers are providing in terms of how they want to order their products is sometimes... Uh, very different than the behavior that they actually exhibit uh, in terms mm. of the, either the frequency, the purchase rate, um, or even the reasons of, of purchasing you'll see is very different than than their, um, their feedback. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, most of our customers have a very strong connection to our brand and our values as, as a business. And that's enough to bring people in and it's enough to keep them around. But if we're failing to meet their baseline expectations around the product, the convenience, the element of delight, the uh, aspect of fun. We, we say that we, we like to make it fun to do good. All of that is out the window if we're not meeting their, their baseline expectations. So when it comes down to what customers say versus the customer, what they do, often that is best highlighted by the actions they take uh, on a website, for example. And that's why metrics like customer effort score are arguably mm. one of our most critical metrics in CX because it really is looking at customer behavior and not just the feedback itself. So we can highlight areas of focus. Um, Mm. But in terms of product offerings, everyone has an incredible idea of the next thing we should do or we should make. Um, And we're really, as we continue to expand, looking at how we can get more um, regional in how we operate to meet the customer's expectations and meet them exactly where they are in that market. So in the mm. UK, we're currently exploring unique channels for customer engagement and customer support um, that would best meet the unique expectations of that market versus the US or Australia. But this isn't something we can necessarily capture in a survey because a lot of people their assumption is, oh, it's email or a phone call is definitely the best way. But we know that a phone call might not be the best way to reach a company that makes toilet paper. There's very few. We often joke we have emergency rolls in all of our boxes, but there's very few true TP emergencies um, <laughs> unless you actually do run out, uh, true, in which true. case there's an opportunity there. And we're always looking at how we can explore that further to to create those moments. I I think what's super interesting about much of what you said there is that I don't want to um, diminish any of what you said, but it's not really surprising either, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be honest. And I think I think that what strikes me as well is that these ideas that just asking your customers what they want and then giving them what they tell you, it has has long been established to be like the the most imperfect way to develop product right and and to right. create services that because exactly as you said right at the top what customers say and what they actually really will respond to in product or in service is so so often different because because they're human more than anything i think it was um was it henry ford who said if he'd asked customers what they wanted they'd have said faster horses right yes yep. <laughs> exactly. exactly and, and like actually delivering what 
custom you know it's about delivering outcomes isn't it and i think that that's really you 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 don't establish what the the right outcomes are for a customer by asking them or at least you don't solely rely on that that's just one to your point it's like one data point of many including and you should include customer behaviors um and i think and how do we challenge those assumptions yeah. Because customers come in, they have that feedback. Those are their own bias that they're bringing to the table. They're sharing it with us. We want to make sure that they feel heard. We do want to take that back and, and view it, but we want to contextualize it along with behavior, actions, trends of customer sentiment across the board. Um, of course, 100 customers, 100 unique pieces of feedback, but there might mm-hmm. be a correlation between all of them that's not mm-hmm. immediately visible when you're looking mm-hmm. at it on first glance. So that's where I think going deeper and looking at the behavior along with the feedback, because yes, there might be this invisible line of connection between all of them, but being able to go deeper to contextualize it with the behavior and then being able to implement whatever that might be, whether that's a new product offering, a new um, communication channel to engage with your customers, but being able to do it in a very subtle way of challenging that bias, educating mm-hmm. without it being uh, in, in, a, in a condescending or um, expert view, but coming mm-hmm. at them in the way that they've come to love the brand and the team behind the brand to um, delight them in new ways is often a, sort of an exciting and very creative opportunity. I always enjoy those those challenges. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's something customers will never tell you they want. They don't. They will never be so over as to say, "I want to be delighted." <laughs> you know, they want right. five ply, or they want they want whatever. Totally. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And often, too many companies, I think, focus on the delight. You often hear about, like, in customer success and customer happiness teams, mm-hmm. how do we delight our customers? And the biggest one I think about when we look at feedback and we're trying to implement new programs um, within an organization to engage customers and create those Mm -hmm. moments, if you're not meeting their baseline expectations, which we often aren't as organizations, Mm -hmm. your your North Star shouldn't be finding opportunities to delight. It should be, how do we meet their expectations with the least amount of friction possible? And then once you've done that, you can then build on the delight. But instead, we're always, my view... And with many startups in particular, we're always trying to jump ahead to that. How do we delight? Yeah. But delight is that add-on. No customers coming in going, I hope they delight me. They're just going, I hope they deliver and ship and it is as promised. That's all. Exactly. It's the hierarchy. It's the hierarchy of needs, isn't it? It's um it's it's absolutely you can't you can't build the delight at the top of that pyramid pyramid with shifting sands at the bottom it it just won't hold stable at all i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more um so what is the um, i mean you gave a few examples early on uh of adjustments you'd made in how you deliver service or product um how do you i guess my final question really um when you're talking about behaviors and looking for patterns are you looking at you're you're looking at purchasing patterns and things like that propensity to churn things like that i guess what's been a surprising behavior that you've either found or or have dug into a little bit that has that has really kind of made you go oh i did not expect that <laughs> Yeah, it's that's a great question. So when we look at our customers across all of our markets, 
Mm. Um, the unique expectations and cadence and repurchase rate is very different across mm. the board in different countries and different markets. And we have been very flexible in meeting those demands across different markets. What's often, I think, most surprising is when we look at all of these different markets and we look at customer feedback, we often think that our values around donating 50% of our profits, which we do with full transparency, is one of the strongest drivers that brings people into the business. Mm -hmm. And it's actually how fun we make things uh, mm -hmm. that bring people into the business. What's interesting is once they're in the door, and they've engaged the brand, they've received the product, it's this delightful experience from purchasing through to delivery into their bathrooms, that they start to go, great, it was delightful, it was convenient. Those are the reasons that met their baseline expectations. But once you have been around for a while, that's is that enough to keep people, especially in, in a space yeah. right, that yeah. has emerging competitors coming in every direction? What we find keeps people is our transparency and our openness to discuss where our 50% of our profits go, who are the mm. partners that we work with. And that is, again, going back to our, what our mission, we make it fun to do good. Uh, we do make it fun to do good, but it also is something you can feel good about in terms of who mm. you're buying from, its contributions to the world. And that is often a reason that keeps people sticking around. It's not necessarily one of the drivers or one of the biggest drivers of why people come into the business in the first place mm, and then purchase yeah. from us. So that's yeah, often yeah. surprising because for me, when I first discovered Who Gives a Crap, it was very much, that was the one for me that aligned most with my values. Um, but consumers can be very different. And of course, that's great. But at the end of the day, the convenience, the value, the element of delight, once you've met that has to be there. Uh, and ultimately, that's how we're, maximizing the customer lifetime value that's awesome thank you so much ryan what what an interesting conversation um i i do hope you'll come back for for another chat sometime maybe we can revisit that panel and make uh you know uh, the roi on key initiatives fun all over again another time i'd but, love to uh, yeah, this has been super interesting and um, I'm, I'm. it's given me a lot of food for thought. So uh, I hope it has our listeners too. And thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thanks so much, Charlotte. Always great to chat. That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 253 for the show notes. And I'll see you next time.